then we're going to move into Acts. So Ephesians, we've been using Ephesians. We're going to be in Ephesians 3.20, just kind of repeat that, and then Acts chapter 19. And uh, I usually have my Bible verses down here, but I don't today. So Ephesians 3.20 says, Now to him that is able to exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. And we just talked about there's a power. It's not a power of your mind. It's not a power of your soul. It's not a power of your emotions. It's not a power of your talents. It's not a power of your goodness. It's not a power of your righteousness. It's the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of Jesus working in us, wanting to do more and more and more within us to the point of it sounds impossible. We've talked about that in practical ways, in spiritual ways, whether it's being happier this year by 10 or 15 or 20 percent, whether it's walking in a prophetic gift or just a gift of words of wisdom or words of knowledge or or having more, whatever it is that you don't have now, it's impossible for you to have that. But when we begin to pursue it, the Holy Spirit partners with us or us with him to, to, to acquire, to gain those things. But this is the thing. When we pursue impossible things, there's all these default things that are given us just when we stop, step out in faith. Us stepping out in faith is never actually about seeing that thing take place. And we forget that. So when we pray for cancer or autism, we pray for our children, we pray for our loved ones, at what point do we give up? It's pretty quick. It's pretty quick. We can give up in six months or a year. And then we decide, well, God just doesn't want to heal that person. God just doesn't want to bring peace into my marriage. And we begin to shift blame to God. All right? But we know in Scripture that our faith is never about that manifesting so we get to experience it. That does happen. But our faith is about who we become and what we see and what we move towards. There's all sorts of strength and courage and identity things that are taken care of in us when we pursue hard things, when we pursue impossible things. I hope every one of you can say, this is my impossible thing I'm going after this year. This is my impossible thing I'm going after year, this year. This is, this is on, my, this is on my, my bathroom mirror. This is in my wallet. This is in my, on my car where my speedometer is. This is the one thing I'm going after this year. I don't care if it's to see certain, a family member saved, somebody healed. I don't care if it's about your ministry or if it's about your finances or if it's just about your language or a habit that you have that you've not been able to stop. And it feels and it sounds and it's been proven to you already by your experiences that it's impossible that you can never have it. That's what we're talking about when it's impossible. It's not that it can't be done because you've seen other people do it, but for you, you've never been able to stop or start or to bring into your life this thing and to step from, I don't have it. Everything behind me proves that I can't have it, that I can't be this person, that I can't do this thing, that I can't stop doing this thing. And then we begin to step forward into it in belief, and that's risking our faith. All right? So in Ephesians, it's the think or we ask or think or we ask or imagine. Our part is to talk to him and imagine that it's possible. Our imagination is so important. And if you look, if you Google, you know, uh, is imagination, you know, is imagination good or bad? The Bible for Christians is, imagine, is imagination good or bad? You'll get a lot of bad about the imagination, and I'm not sure when the imagination got a bad rap. 
But Scripture makes it very clear that everything that's been given to us is a good thing, even though if it's been used for a bad thing, it's redeemable. And our imagination of what we look like when we show up to work on Monday morning should be propelling us. Our imagination for how good of a sleep we get at night should be propelling us. Our imagination with with how much we weigh should be propelling us, and we should be imagining ourselves as being healthy. We should imagine ourselves being out of debt. We should imagine ourselves being ministering to people around us and bringing hope and love and peace to people around us. We should imagine that. Even if we've never done that, even if we showed up as a curmudgeon every time, is it, I'm sorry I used a word from like the 1930s, curmudgeon. You can, it's, it's, it's like just a crusty old guy. I mean, I'm, I'm in my 50s, so I'm around a lot more crusty old people. It happens sometime in the 40s. I have some theories about why. But when, when, we choose, when we choose not to speak out God's promises, and it's our choice, and when we choose not to uh, use our imagination towards impossible things, when we do that, what we're actually doing is we're saying, I do not want to partner with you, God. Instead, I want to be over here and go, oh, I hope so-and-so gets saved. Oh, I prayed for you. And that's it. But we start dreaming about what would it look like if next time I sat down and had a meal with them or next time I saw them at work that God gave me a word of knowledge. What would that look like? And what, what, begin to imagine what would their life look like changed or what would my life look like if I started celebrating life instead of being negative about life? What would change in, in my environment? And imagine those things. And those are the things that move us into, into that mystical thing of we have a river of life flowing out of us, we bring heaven to earth, or we bring heaven out of us onto earth through our mouth and through our actions, through our financial giving, through our serving, through any job that we have. And so we take that out, and, and, and it's like, don't just do the mechanical thing. This is kind of what we've been taught out of Romans of take every thought captive. Only take every negative thought captive, the ones that are lustful, the ones that are angry, or the ones that... But it's not every thought that is negative. It's every thought captive. Because a lot of us, the longer in church, the more we have thoughts that seem good, that seem godly, that seem proper doctrine. But they're actually barriers to us growing and maturing and getting God's expanding truth for us. Because truth has never changed. But for us, we keep getting more and more revelation and we want to walk out of that. And I want to be in a, uh, go to a, an odd story, uh, Acts 19. If you can turn there. It's great having enough light here that I can read in my extra big Bible. So you know, this idea of you guys, be, of each of us being anointed... To be anointed, you're appointed. You have something. You have something to give. You have something to receive and give all the time. It's and and, and, and when we when we walk in that way. So you're listening today. We listen. We, we participated in worship, and we were supposed to respond. I'm not asking you to go Amen, Hallelujah, or anything like that. But you're you're sitting there. You're hearing my voice, but you're being taught of the Holy Spirit, right? You're being taught of the Holy Spirit. So you want that. You have that. You have that right, but you also have that privilege. And it's also an obligation for us to learn and to grow. So I want to encourage you when, you, when we're reading about the, the stories, think about what is your part today in this story of how you act this out in, in this year. So Acts 19, I'm going to go to verse 8. Uh, Paul had shown up in Corinth. He had traveled through Turkey, things like that. He uh, got to Corinth. He uh, 
found a group of believers that were baptized in John's baptism. He baptized them in Jesus' baptism. In verse 8, it says, For three months Paul taught openly and fearlessly in the synagogue, arguing persuasively for them to enter into God's kingdom realm. But some of them hardened their hearts and stubbornly refused to believe. When they spoke evil of the way in front of the congregation, Paul withdrew from them and took the believers with him. Every day for over two years, he taught them in the lecture hall of Tyrannius, which resulted in everyone living in the province of Asia, Jews and non-Jews, hearing the prophetic word of the Lord. God kept releasing a flow of extraordinary miracles through the hands of Paul. Because of this, people took Paul's handkerchiefs and articles of clothing, even pieces of cloth that had touched his skin, laying them on the bodies of the sick, and diseases and demons left them, and they were healed. Now there was, and I'm going to just stop right there, all right, because there's, there's a lot of stuff in there. So... I'm going to talk about three things today, all right? And the first thing is that whatever you touch becomes anointed. Let me make that really clear. Whatever you touch becomes anointed. You touch your marriage, with your, it becomes anointed. You, you, you touch your children, it becomes anointed. You touch your job, it becomes anointed. You should be doing your job, whatever your job is, wherever it is, however little or more you get, much you get paid, however much you hate it or love it, your job, there's an anointing in your job. Just like you would want there to be an anointing in somebody that you went to go, an anointing to heal like in a doctor, or you would want to go to a lawyer, you want to have some level of expertise, you have that level of expertise and favor in who you are. You and I are anointed, and everything that we touch can become anointed. Is everything we have touched anointed? No. Again, we can look in the past and see, gosh, I messed up all of those things. I messed up a marriage. I messed up my parenting. I messed up my finances. I messed up my ministry. I messed up this. None of that proof proves that you are not anointed. All right? Why? Because the Lord says you're anointed. He said it while you were messing it up. You were anointed, that you're favored, that you're set apart, that there's something different about you. There's something special about you, and there's a special purpose for you. So everything that you want to add to, I'm anointed, I'm anointed but, that but is a lie. Everything you want to add to, I, I, whatever I touch becomes anointed, but is a lie. All right? And what happens, our brain starts, all of our religion starts running in and say, this is why so-and-so can't be anointed. This is why this person doesn't have favor. Or why does this person have favor? Because they do blank. And it's our judgment against them and their favor that God's given them that keeps us from living in a greater anointing or a greater favor. You've already been set aside. You've already been covered in the oil of his presence. You've already been given, the, been given healing. You've already been smeared anointed been smeared with his with his uh, with his oil but with his identity with his color we look like him already when and, and if some of you would describe yourself to somebody else as I'm, I'm 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 not very good at this or I'm this or I don't have any gifts or God wouldn't even recognize your description of you when he hears that because it's so opposite of your name and your identity that's being spoken down to us from heaven. God has already marked our hearts, empowered us, filled us with great power. We're not asking, give us more power. He's already given us the power. We're asking, I'm, I'm sorry, he's asking us, release the power within you. Release that. And we do so awkwardly. We do so clumsily. So we anoint people with oil and pray for them and we're clumsy about it. All right. Or we speak prophetically and we're clumsy about it and we get it wrong a dozen times or a hundred times. It doesn't matter. We keep moving forward and we believe that I am anointed with 
whatever I touch becomes anointed. And power is a scary thing. You know, I, I used to, you know, I mowed yards till I was 30. I actually, you know, it's a, it's a long story, but, you know, back then you had a Sears lawnmower, a riding lawnmower. I used to push uh, a school and a church in a daycare that took me like three hours to push mow it, non-self-propelled. I tell you what, when I got that Sears mower, that was a blessing. I started gaining weight that same week, you know, and I'd, I'd mow that. And, and then my son on his property has a John Deere zero radius mower. And when you start, oh, it's like it is fast. And the, the first time I used it, I left it in the ditch for him to get it out because I couldn't get it back out of the, the watery ditch there. But it had so much power, I was surprised. So I can say, hey, I'm not going to drive that again I'm, or I'm going to learn how to handle that power. So we are not beggars that keep asking God for give me more power. Like I, I'm blaming him that he hasn't given me power. I'm blaming him that he hasn't given me favor. He's given it to me already. He's not going to die again on the cross. He's not going to re-anoint you. He's not going to re-adopt you. You're adop- adopted. You're in the family. You're ex- extremely ridiculously loved. And you've, he's given you the treasures of heaven. All right. And we do have some imagery, again, of, of, of getting things from him, an impartation, a download, stuff like that that we didn't have before. But I really want us to get this imagery of, I'm anointed. I walk in that. When I go into a room, something changes because I'm there. I'm there. Something changes. And we've all, had, we've all been in a room that people are happy, and then somebody comes in and they're angry, and the whole atmosphere of the room changes. We are those to be those room changers. Just think about that. Everything you touch has... The, the potential to become anointed. Your voice can become anointed. So when you talk, you're not just talking politics. You're not just talking religion. You're not just talking sports. You're not just talking morals. You're hearing something from the river of life, from this incorruptible, indestructible seed that is that is, wants to manifest fruit from you, and your voice is anointed. I don't mean when you're preaching. I don't mean when you're singing. I don't mean when you, you know, like, like you're like, oh, I've got a word. I mean all the time. And if you would drive to work and say, my footsteps are anointed. My decisions are anointed. My voice is anointed. I will be clear. I will be direct. I'll hear and speak these things. And you say it and you don't stop saying it until it starts happening. All right. But what we do, we take, we take a month of God not speaking to us. As evidence that he doesn't speak to us. We take a year and then we begin to blame him. Even though scripture's full of. We can hear him. Think about this. Your story of sin and depravity. Has the potential to become anointed. Have you ever heard a better story. Than someone that lived a horrible life. And then now you see them. You can't even recognize that person in them. That's an anointed story. The dollar bill you give in the offering becomes anointed because it works God's purposes in orphans in India and people in Tomball and the spreading of the gospel. So everything that we give, your home, your car, your work, your conversations over coffee, your if you like to dance, if you like to cook, if you like to whatever, all those things can become anointed things that draw people into the presence of God. That draw people towards you, but it's not to stop there. You're anointed. You've been set aside. How many of your Facebook posts are anointed? They all have the potential to be. Before you respond, before you talk, before you text, before you do something, there's an anointing there. Look at your neighbor and say, you are anointed. Well, act like you actually believe it, okay? You are anointed. 
Everything you touch can be anointed. So think about the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul, a tent maker, this is the, this is the, I do have a cooking apron that might have been a little bit more appropriate, but this is what I brought. So he, it's basically that the Passion Translation uses it different than an, uh, an apron, a workman's apron. So he's actually doing something in his job, all right? And so he's actually sweating and he's touching the hanky wasn't like the season. Now we think of it was actually to wipe their brow. And then Middle Eastern enlarged the hanky and actually put it on their head to, um, to protect their, their face and stuff like that in the sun and, and stuff like that. And then the American cowboy actually enlarged. And we think the handkerchief was like to wipe their brow only or to do, you know, be a bad guy. But it was actually often and when a dust storm would come, it would be long enough they could tie their hat down. And we don't see that in the movies because it's not macho enough. But think about that. So all he's doing, and people are coming, and they're taking common things. Now, I'm not asking you to go get a belt and walk around with this and throw it on people that you hear are sick. <laughs> Hallelujah! And throw it on them. What I'm asking you to do, what is, your, what is your hanky? What is your handkerchief for this year? What is your anointed thing that you can give out and give away? Is it your words? Is it your music? Is it how you cook? Is it how you organize? What, what is it that you can believe that supernaturally will manifest impossible in a situation and in a life? All right? Don't think, I'm going I'm, I'm to give you guys some hankies here in a minute, but don't think that, that the hanky is the deal. All right? But we're anointed for these, for these things. And the, the second point is God loves to use what we think is common. We still struggle with a huge separation between sacred and secular. That some things like cleaning my house, that's secular. I can complain about that. But you're complaining about a house that God gave you. You're complaining about a car and a yard and a family and a marriage that you are called to maintain and steward well out of your anointing, not out of your annoying. Okay? But when we start cursing the things God has given us that we can see, we will also curse those things that God given, has given us like anointing, like favor, like wisdom, like spiritual gifts. We'll begin to curse those things also. Nobody's ever lost weight by looking at their body and going, you fat, ugly thing, I hate you. But that's how we approach weight loss. I have to lose weight because I hate myself instead of starting from a place I love myself. I love who I am. You know, we all have a relationship with our, our bodies. We have relationships with strangers and people we've known a long time, our marriages. But we have a relationship with our house. And our relationship with our house is simply what we think about our house. And if, we're, if our thoughts are cursing our house, if our thoughts are complaining about our house, then we're in big trouble. What happens with our finances... I mean, how much, how, how well would your kid do if you say, you're never enough. You never do what I want you to do with me. You never bring me any happiness. But that's what we do with our finances, don't we? We, 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 we complain about it. We curse our finances. And, and, and God loves to use that common thing like a budget, like a calendar, like your phone. He likes to use those common things to grow us up, to mature us, and to see our anointing flow through those things. Now, there's a divine power. Think about that. Think about that. Paul had divine power in how he spoke, 
It says, he, did, he said, I didn't come before you with lots of eloquent words. I came before you with fear and trembling so that the power of the Holy Spirit would be made manifest and people wouldn't be impressed with how I talk. So he had, he had an anointing in his words. He had anointing in miraculous things. And yet there's somehow, somehow through Paul touching something common, something that he wouldn't worry too much about if he lost, something that he probably had a bunch of, through that, the Holy Spirit did something in that. All right? So what is your hanky for this year? What is your thing? What is your hanky this year that God wants to anoint? But what we do, we we disregard the common things in our hand. And then we beg God for more, but we're not even utilizing what we have. You don't need much more. He has put things in your hands. As poor as you are in spirit, as poor as you are in body physically, as poor as you are financially, the Lord has given you things that you can call blessed. I'd go ahead and call everything he's given me blessed. And I would start asking him, what is this thing that you have for me to give away? The common things we do have the ability to connect people, to serve people, to bring about God's glory. The common things we say can be used greatly if we believe, all right? There's no seven steps to getting this hanky anointed. There's no four steps to turn your, 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 your enemy into a friend. And our words might be the most common things that we have, right? Because if I say A, B, C, D, super common thing that a three- or four-year-old can learn... Super common things to say, I ran across the street that a four, five, or six-year-old can learn and can read. Yet we struggle with the simplicity of the language of some of the things, and we don't even start with the alphabet of the kingdom, of what's my hanky, what's my commonness, what's my thing. And then our words might have a lot more power. So when I lay hands on somebody... When I speak a word, when I give a word, when I think about that, when I'm praying, using my imagination for when I walk into this room, the Lord's going to highlight somebody for me to bless. When I walk into this room, the Lord's going to highlight somebody for me to give to. When I walk into this room, I'm going to know who needs healing. And I'm going to pray for them. And I'm going to have, and, and, and that's a whole nother step into that thing. So think about, uh, you see, I've got a bunch of... Uh, Bunch of stuff about some other things here. Um, I'm going to pass up on some of that. So, when we think of that, so there's something that's transferred into the common stuff that Paul has. Now, are we less of God's children than the Apostle Paul was? We feel like it, don't we? We're not. Are we, are we, are we his second favorite sons and daughters? Or does he give us, and Jesus gives us access... To be that first favored, as favored as Jesus, the anointing as the same as Jesus, the potential for the impossible is same as Jesus and Paul and all the people that we've ever really admired when it's come to spiritual gifts or when it comes to finances or when it comes to when it comes to um, uh, building a business or when it comes to speaking a prophetic word or when it comes to words of wisdom, words of knowledge or healing or whatever it is. We have, you know, there's the sacred secular. They're all together, all anointed. They're all there for us to give out. So think about that. Now, it, said, it doesn't say they took one of Paul's handkerchiefs and one of his tool belts. 
And they couldn't go on Amazon like I did and buy 24 handkerchiefs and get it delivered in 48 hours, right? I think what was happening, people were taking his tool belt and giving him another tool belt. He was wearing it for a while, maybe, maybe a little bit. They were taking his handkerchief. They're putting it in Federal Express or USPS, whatever your preference is, and they were shipping it to friends that couldn't make it to meet Paul. And they were taking his stuff, and they were mailing it to people, and something was happening. I don't know that they were mailing it to people. That was actually a joke, but nobody even cracked a smile. They didn't have Federal Express or USPS back then. It was the Pony Express. No, I'm kidding. That's not even far back enough. So think about there. There's something tangible. When you wipe your brow, there's something tangible on that, right? In fact, my head thing's bugging me here. If I took this handkerchief, and you'd heard me sniffling, and I went, oh. He's like, here, can you hold that for me? And he's like, what? My mom, dad taught me don't take things from strangers. But we would all believe there would be germs on here, right? Yet very few of us believe that there would be any anointing from God through our life on this. We, have, we believe more in the power of germs than we believe in the power of us filled with the Holy Spirit, anointed, favored. We have more, we, we're, we're, more, we're more afraid of this hanky than we are excited about God, what God wants to do. Not... Not as we go to a service to see somebody amazing, which is awesome, but what he wants to do in and through each of us, in our homes, in our lives, and what we do, and what we say, and how we spend our money. Now, most of us, you know, believe we don't have enough faith, right? Most of us believe that we, I don't have enough faith to do that. But the Bible says we have all the faith we actually need. And don't get me wrong, there are upgrades of faith, there are seasons of great faith, there are anointings or giftings of a person of faith that they just, boom, they have a faith for something. But most of us feel like we don't have enough faith. So we're always waiting to feel like faith is there. And, and if an emotion is like a, a, a vibration in the body. Like, oh, oh, I can feel it now, I'm going to go pray for them. That's, the, that's, that's not the God thing. The God thing is, is to keep the, 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 when Jesus says, oh, you have little faith, the best interpretation is, oh, you with not used faith. We always have to extend our faith out all the time, just that little bit, always out, lay hands on somebody. Last week I said the word Lonnie, just to put out that little thing constantly, have a habit and a culture of small things consistently done. This third thing is God engages with us when we take a risk. What risk are you take, willing to take this year? And you can't blame God and say, God's not telling me to do anything. Who cares if God's not telling you to do anything? God never told anybody in here to send a handkerchief. God never told anybody here to get the sweat off the Apostle Paul. A lot of times they say it, and we see it in Acts. They prayed and they agreed. It was them and the Holy Spirit. They made decisions. But if we're blaming God, if we're saying, I'm not moving because God's not telling me to do anything. What if you got mature enough? What if you are already mature enough that he's saying, hey, start stepping out in faith and I'll start providing the next step. We're like, I'll, 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 take, I'll, I'll move forward when all the conditions are right and there's five steps in front of me. When there's no chance for failure, when there's no chance for risk, that's not called faith. 
That's called religion. That's not called faith. And so we, we, gotta, we, gotta, we have to be willing to like start picking up our foot and start placing it somewhere. Placing it somewhere. Are there seasons where you need to be quiet and obedient and take no step unless the Lord is saying? Absolutely. Those seasons aren't a year or two or three or four. They might be a year or two, but, but they're, not a, they're not super long. We find safety in saying, God has not given me any gifts. We find safety and protection in the shadows where, God, where we say, God hasn't given me any gifts. God hasn't given me any, an anointing. God hasn't given me any commandments or steps yet. We, we, we hide over here and we live this, this really safe but boring and actually petrifying life. I mean like petrifying, like becoming hardened of heart, becoming scared. Our world gets small in the shadows. And God wants us to come out of that. And this idea of uh, this risk is really important. When's the last time you took a risk? When's the last time you offered to do something, to pray for somebody, to meet with somebody? When's the last time you wrote somebody's name, put it on your refrigerator and say, I want to see this person get saved. And then, and then make a commitment that you're going to act like God's going to use you to bring him to that person to the Lord. See, we've, we've done something with intercession where we've said, I'm just the one praying about it. God, you go do something about it. God wants to work through us. We were created for him to work his work through us. So, And we have a couple more examples in Scripture. We have, uh, of course, Jesus with the woman with the issue of blood. And the power went out from him, and she was healed just with a piece of cloth. And then we also have in Mark six fifty six a different story where it says, And wherever he went into villages, towns, or countryside, they placed the sick in the marketplaces. They begged him to let them touch even the edge of his cloak, and all who, who touched it were healed. And we don't want to forget that. In Ezekiel, it says that God, God spreads his wings. And I looked up that word wings, and that actually means his, 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 um, his gown or his clothing or his cloak. As much as it means wings. But he, he comes in and he wants, he wants to encompass us. He wants, to, he wants us to be under his anointing. I mean, how weird is that? How weird if you got something in the mail that somebody said, I want you to lay this on your tumor, and I believe that tumor is going to disappear. That is weird. That is strange. That is risky. All right? And again, I'm not asking handkerchiefs, but I'm asking... What is your handkerchief? What is your work apron? What is the thing that you have that you touch that the Lord wants to use to manifest his life in and around people? Now, we know the cloth doesn't heal. We know that Paul's sweat doesn't heal, that, Paul's, that, Paul, that Paul doesn't heal. We, we know all of that. And we can, get all, we can get all caught up in like language of, well, it's this and that, it's them, it's me, it's who, it's God, it's all. Who cares? We know we're supposed to lay hands on those who are sick and believe they will be healed, right? So we work on only two things when it comes to healing. We work on belief and we work on lifting our hand and doing this. Those are the only two things we work on. We don't work on getting doctrine straight. We don't work on getting our hearts pure. We don't work on knowing all the scripture. We don't work on medical names or issues or anything like that. We work on our faith, which is the right good work of those who follow him, is to believe. And then we work on 
saying, can I pray for you, and putting your hand on somebody. I did that the other day. This guy was halfway out the door. I was like, hey, can I, can I pray for you before you leave? He's not been well. He did not sound happy, but he said yes. Put my hand on him. I prayed for him. The prayer was fine for me. All right, thanks, and he left. I heard a couple days later, the person was like, man, the prayer you prayed for them, they really liked that. I started laughing. I'm like, really? Because they didn't respond like they liked it. But I'm not in charge of how, how the other people respond. I'm in charge for exercising my faith, for putting my hand out there, for putting my hand out there and, and believing that something's going to happen. So what I'm going to ask you to do, hankies for everyone, no, is what I want you to do is I want you to get out your anointing oil. You guys back here are going to have to come up here. Get out your anointing oil. Rosie, if you could, if you could share these with everybody, that would be great. Here, I've got some more here. There's, 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 more than, there's more than enough. This is the one I fake sneezed in, so nobody, nobody wants this one. Oh, you're going to have to go get... There, there's one right there. Because I, I gave everybody a couple. You don't have to have each have one. So what I want you to do... Get out your oil. Put it in. Put as much or as little on it. Just begin to... Just begin to... God, I bless this... I bless this handkerchief. I'm anointed. It's anointed. Let it feel weird. Just, just close your eyes as you anoint it. Just let it, feel, let it feel strange. Just be at peace that, man, God, I, I anoint my words. Like I, I just, like I anoint, I just declare this hanky as anointed like my word is anointed. I declare this, this hanky anointed like I declare my car is anointed. It's, I, it's set aside because I, I own it. And I'm going to use it for your glory. My finances, my dreams, my gifts, my talents. My abilities, my spiritual gift. Just keep anointing. Put some. I don't just just keep kind of dabbing oil on it. Say, God, I just declare this is anointed. Why? Because I am anointed, and everything I touch is anointed. And let let the let let the doubt come in and rest with you. Just rest with it. Don't don't fight it. Don't don't push it down. But don't tell yourself this sounds ridiculous. Don't agree with the enemy. Agree, say, God, this this feels ridiculous. I don't feel anointed. I don't think I'm anointed. How can anything I touch be anointed? Let the Holy Spirit teach you and show you the lies. I've gone through this. I've, I've taught some. But you know what? There's, on, there's, only, there's only a bit that a preacher can do, that a pastor can do, that a teacher can do, that if you don't want to believe you're anointed, you never will believe it. God, you're not waiting for God to tell you you're anointed. He's already told you you're anointed. You're not waiting for God to anoint something through you, you're already anointed and what you touch can be anointed. Father, we just, just say it again. I just, I just, this, this, this hanky in Jesus name, it's, it's, it's blessed. It's anointed. It carries an anointing because I carry anointing and I'm touching it in Jesus name. All right. Pass your hanky on to someone else. Do the same thing. It's not your hanky. So I hope you didn't like blow your nose into it. If you did get another one, I'm serious. So close your eyes again. Say, God, this, this, I'm touching this. It's, it's, it's another thing in my life. And I, I declare in Jesus' name, I am anointed. I am anointed, so therefore this hanky is anointed. I'm anointed, therefore this hanky is anointed. Let it, let it feel strange. 
bring, let the doubt be there and say, Father, if, if there's doubt, just say, God, I don't believe. Help me, help me believe. Will you say, I'm anointed, so this hanky's anointed. My house is anointed. My talent's anointed. My mothering is anointed. My fathering is anointed. How I go at work, about at work is anointed. How I am as a friend is anointed. My friendships will be touched. My friendships will be changed. My friendships, there'll be healing when I speak. All right, pass your hanky on to someone else. A different person? A different person? Say it again. I am, I, I am anointed, therefore my hanky is anointed. <clears throat> Sorry about that. So just close your eyes and just, just, just. You know, there's, there's no magic here. I mean, there's no. It's just, it's just, it's just to get us to really dig in. I am anointed. So therefore, anything I touch is anointed. Just, just meditate that to yourself. I am anointed. Just say it under your breath. I am anointed. So anything I touch is anointed. I am anointed. I'm not waiting for the anointed one to come. He's already in my life. He's already in my home. He's already everywhere I declare him to be. When I show up, he shows up. I am anointed. Everything I touch has the potential to be anointed. And some of you are being attacked with wrong doctrine right now. I do want to say it's wrong doctrine because the, the gospel of Jesus Christ is a simple gospel that makes us appear foolish before men. And we've got to be comfortable with being foolish before men. Because some of you are thinking, still thinking, lining out all the reasons why you're not anointed, all the reasons why God shouldn't anoint you, all the reasons why you don't have favor, all the reasons why you shouldn't be blessed, all the reasons why. Some of you are even listing out, hey, I'm already blessed, so why would I ask for more? We ask for more because there's an abundance to be had and an abundance to be given. So just anoint that. I hope you keep anointing that hanky and just this, uh, the, I, I am anointed, so everything I touch is anointed in Jesus' name. I am anointed, and everything I touch is anointed in Jesus' name. So I want to close with th- with three questions, and I've already asked these questions. I want you to go away with one hanky. I'm not, I don't want you to give it to anybody. I want you to be a reminder, representation for you that you're anointed, that you have you have the the anointing of Jesus with you. If you're like this hanky, you bring healing with you. This hanky's like from Amazon. It's it's not the nicest of hankies. It's just a general hanky. It's anointed. There's something about that that we've got to get. So I would ask you what common thing in your life would be anointed if you would simply believe. Not what do you have to work at to have it be anointed, but if you would simply believe what thing in your life would be anointed? The second question, in what area of your prayers or your life are you or do you need to take a risk? You've been praying for something all of 2019. You may have even risked some things, but you didn't, you didn't keep risking. Because the thing is, is to ask, to imagine, to ask, to believe, to step out, 
to risk, to maybe fail, to imagine, to ask, to step out, to fail. You just, you just keep moving towards it. You just keep moving towards it. You keep, move towards what's in your heart. Now, I'm not saying you risk your family. I'm not saying you risk your fortune. I'm not saying any of those things. Mostly it's risking us being embarrassed and it's risking us being out of control. That's mostly what it is of somebody thinking less of us or thinking that we think more highly of ourselves. And then the third question, where specifically do you need to persevere in your faith? Where have you applied your faith and you've risked it, but you've drawn back now and you're living in a shadow? The crucible project for the men's ministry that that I'm, I'm a little bit a part of, we call it the shadow life. It's living a shadow. And nobody might know, everybody might go, what an awesome person, but you're living in a shadow. You're not living in the fullness of the daylight of who you're supposed to be. And then on, on, on each of these, ask God, so what do you want, want me to do next? All right, everybody stand up. David, can we have a little bit more music? Perfect. All right, so take your hanky. Have your hanky in hand and hold somebody's hand with the hanky in hand. Like that. Keep your hanky in hand and have them hold that. And now I have, I'm not going to, I'm not going to reteach this, but for, we've taught about there's supposed to be healing in the body of Jesus, right? So we take communion, there's healing in the body of Jesus, but we are the body of Christ, right? You and I are us together or two or more guys. We're the body of Christ. There's healing in this body. There's healing in this body. So when you come, you need, you need physical healing financial healing, mental healing. You need, you just need to be lifted up. You ask for prayer in this body. You don't wait for an altar call right after here. You, you, you ask for prayer. If you have a word for somebody, you give them that word. If you, if you have, if you, if you want, if you want prayer, you ask them, if you want to give someone prayer because you think something is going on or you've prayed for them this week, you go ahead and give that to them. So father God, we thank you. We just embrace our space in the body of Christ. And we say, we are not um, out, of, out of Ephesians, Apostle Paul says, even if we even if we look like we're lesser, even if we are as not as attractive as the other body parts, we are equally as important to all the body parts. And we say that today. We each, each individually, when we're together, are we're just so important in the body of Christ. And we're we're a little church, and we, we have a, a sometimes a big influence in different areas, Father God. But but we do. We just say we want to be a part of your body right here, and we want to be a healing part of your body and a. See, let the presence of God be released in homes and in marriages and conversations and friendships. And we want to be re, 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 um, regenerated, restored in our belief and our hope of the supernatural things, of the mystical things. And, and we want to walk those out just as regular men and women. We want to see great things, Father God. We want to see great things and experience your presence more and more and more. So as we're, as we're, as we're clasping our hankies together, Father God, we just say... Um, to, to, for there to be an anointing between relationships, anointing between friendships, an anointing between different ministry giftings here in this house and here in this region, here in this town, here in this region, and here in this state, Father God. We just thank you for that. And we declare one last time that we are anointed and everything we touch has the potential to be anointed. And we expect to see your anointing working in us and through us for the glory of God this year and this decade. Amen. All right, God bless you all.